introduce myself. My name is Ho. Thanks to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO or the ROC. Ho. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I'll be the music is What's good, everybody, and welcome. To another episode of the Amatella is podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Saturday, November the 5th, the year 2022, first weekend of the month of November. Lots to do, lots to discuss here on this weekend program. Recap of games uh, three, not uh, games uh, three, recap of games uh yeah, games three, four, and five of the uh of the World Series. Recap games one, three, four, and five of the World Series as we look ahead to game six, that is set to commence here on uh later tonight on the Saturday night down in Houston as the series shifts back to Houston for game six. And if the Phillies uh take care of business and win tonight, a uh, game seven on Sunday. Uh, NFL Week 9 preview, of course, a couple, hard to believe, but uh, I was, you know, trying to find games to preview and talk about on this quote-unquote national, international show. Uh, it's it, you, The NFL makes you work, uh, but I found a couple games that I can that I can uh, chew on and break down here for you as we enter Week 9 of the National Football League season uh, at the season's uh, halfway point. Uh, and then of course, uh, we got, uh, we can recap the Thursday night game as the Eagles improved the eight and for the first time in franchise history by escaping the Houston Texans on Thursday night. We'll get into that. And of course, as promised, I will get into Steve Nash getting canned, Carrie Irving and the whole circus that is the Brooklyn Nets. But where I will begin is with the world series. Uh, and like I told and like I told you guys, you know, I told y'all that it, it I would be it would be very I would be floored, surprised, and just blown away if the if the uh, Houston Astros, who have played postseason games from Los Angeles, California, to at Dodger Stadium to to uh, the Bronx and in, in the new Yankee Stadium, they've played many of uh, of uh, road playoff games, whether it be in Kansas City, uh, whether it be in Kansas City, Atlanta. Yankee Stadium, Dodger Stadium, um, where else? Uh, um, Seattle. I mean, so this the and Washington D.C. and that's part. So this is so this this is a football team that's battled the football team. This is a baseball team that's battle tested. That's played on the road many. That's played on the road uh, many. That's played on the road many a times. And uh, and and you know they're not intimidated by any by any stadium, any crowd, and not, they're not intimidated. They are they are a baseball team that if you beat them, you'll learn you know you'll earn it. But it won't be because they're you know a, a bunch of timid lions you know in the uh, t- a bunch of timid lions in hostile territory. It's just that's just not how this team is wired. Whether you go back to whether you go back to the days where where uh, AJ Hinch was their manager, and now the last couple of seasons where uh, where uh, Dusty Baker is their manager, this team just doesn't get intimidated. They don't blink. They don't flinch. Flinch by any you know be, be, by any stadium crowd by any team. 
No, if you beat them, you you'll learn it. But you, but at, but they're not intimidated by anybody. Not Atlanta, not Philly, not not uh, Washington. All places in which they've won on the road in the World Series. The the, the Dodgers back in 2017, five years ago, playoff runs. You know, against Seattle, against uh, against Seattle, against the Yankees, um, and uh, in in Kansas City way back in 2015. You know, they they're, they're, they don't they don't flinch. They don't flinch, and I you knew it. Now, granted, I was I wasn't probably the only one that after the Phillies put together five solo home runs uh, and shut and absolutely dominated the Astros seven nothing when they couldn't buy a hit. Uh, when zero for three with runs in scoring position, left eight on base. This is game three now. Back on uh, back on Tuesday night, I could I wasn't the only one that was sitting back here thinking. Man, the Phillies, the Phillies are really gonna gonna sweep the Astros. I didn't believe it. I well, I'm not saying I didn't believe it. That thought entered my mind, and it was like kind of fifty five, forty five. Was like, oh snap, this is this is really gonna happen. The the everything's going Phillies way. They're re, they're really going to hit their way to the World Series, and then games four and five, their bats went completely quiet. Uh, game four, they they get game four. Of course, they got no hit. Combined no hitter team. Uh, team was only able to get two guys. They left three runners on base. 0 for two. Uh, Aaron Nola had a disastrous outing. Give Altuve and the Astros credit. They jumped on. Uh, they jumped on him right from the opening get go. Four innings pitch, seven hits, three runs, all earned. Uh, and you go back and look at the top of the uh, the top of the. You go and look at the top of the first inning. Uh, with a Jordan, with a Jordan Alvarez, or well, not the first inning, excuse me, in uh, Game Four, your top of the second inning. I got that confused with uh, with Game uh, Five the other with Game Five the other night. But top of the second, a double by Tucker, Yuli Gurriel grounds out, Vasquez hits by a pitch, uh, and then they begin, and then they begin the uh, or excuse me, what the hell? I'm all over the place. Top of the five. Jordan Alvarez reaches on a hit reaches on a hit by pitch when the game I'm getting the, the game screwed up I apologize um with Jordan Alvarez getting hit by a pitch in the top of the fifth inning and then followed by a two run uh, a two run Bregman double in the top of the fifth when it was a not, when, when it was a nothing nothing pitchers duel through four innings and that was basically all she wrote uh, in this game uh, my thoughts on the no hitter okay that. I, and I've said this. I tweeted it out, and I uh, and I've and I've said this for like the last few days. So let me say it again on this show. Combined no hitters, ladies and gentlemen, are like getting a girl's number, or if you're a female, getting a guy's number through a wingman or a wing or a wing woman. Not that they count, but it's not they count, but it's not the same thing. Not the same thing. No hitters, especially in the postseason. This isn't Larson perfect game in fifty six. Obviously, there's this in and of itself. There's a difference between a perfect game and a no hitter. Perfect game is twenty seven up, twenty seven down. Nobody reaches base. No errors. No walks. No hit by pitches. None of that. No hitter. Nobody gets on base via base hit. You know, you reach base on error. Fielder's choice. Walk. Hit by pitch. A little different. So that in and of itself, it doesn't even equate it to the level of Don Larson. You know, people, you know, I saw people, 
you know, uh, Yogi Berra and Christian Vasquez, the only two catchers in the history of the World Series to catch a no-hitter. No, 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 no. Don Larson, Yogi Berra catching Don Larson's no-hitter no, no in 50, excuse me, perfect game in 56 is an entirely separate category, an entire separate discussion than Christian Vasquez catching a, catching a no-hitter. You can throw a perfect game and throw a no-hitter. You can't throw a no-hitter and throw a perfect game. You can throw a perfect game, throw it and and by definition throw a no-hitter, but you but you can't throw a, a no-hitter and throw a perfect game. Larson was a perfect game. What happened on Wednesday night was not. So I saw well he no, no, no. First of all, a perfect game is a perfect game. A no-hitter is a no-hitter. Second all, you know, the no-hitters don't have that oomph that have that special, unique feel to it when it's when it's when it's a combination of the starting pitcher and then it's nameless gray faces A, B, and C finishing out the deal coming out of the bullpen. They're not the same thing. Like I said, they count, but they count in a in an own separate specific category. It's the first combined no hitter in World Series history. If, if you want to celebrate that accomplishment, I don't. But if you want to celebrate that specific accomplishment, go right ahead. But to put it in the conversation of Larson's perfect game in '56 and Roy Halladay's no hitter in 2010. No, the 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 two, the three do not. Two of them go in one category, and the other one goes in a separate. Because throwing a no hitter and in Larson's case, a perfect game is a different accomplishment and a more impressive accomplishment when it's a when it's a complete game innings one through nine than it is. How many innings did uh did uh uh Javier go the other night? Then a six inning then a six inning no hitter. And you take him out, and you bring in, you know, you bring in your two setup men, and then Presley, the closer, two totally separate things, two totally, totally separate, separate accomplishments. Like I said, it's like getting a girl's phone number, a love interest, if you will, through a wingman, or through a friend, or through a parent. It's not. It counts, but it counts in its own separate category. You got her number, which is the most important thing. The Phillies didn't get didn't reach base via hit, which is the most important thing. But it's not the same thing as going about it by yourself with no help, no pick me up on the back end. You go into the girl, introducing yourself, striking up a conversation, making her laugh, and having her leave you or you leave her with an impressionable image in your head or or an impressionable memory. And at the end of the day, getting that phone number, getting that Instagram handle, or back, you know, five years ago, getting her, getting her Snapchat, whatever. Totally, se- totally separate thing than me finding a girl that I like, and then telling, you know, my buddy next to me or an older cousin or say, hey, go get that girl's number. It's just, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different dynamic. It's totally separate category between the two. Especially Larson's perfect game with what we saw on Wednesday. Okay, a perfect game in and of itself is its own separate category. A per, a, comp, uh, a a a complete perfect game one through nine. Don Larson fifty six perfect game now. 
We haven't had a perfect game, not just excluding the World Series. We haven't had a perfect game thrown in the sport in the last in, in, in the last ten years. We had two of them in 2012, ten years ago, and we haven't had one since. So that in and of itself, it belongs to be in a separate category. But you cannot equate Larson's perfect game in 56 to the combined no-hitter on Wednesday night. Again, perfect game and no-hitter, they're not the same thing. You can throw a perfect game and throw a no-hitter. You can't throw a no-hitter and throw a perfect game. There's a difference. Secondly, the complete game aspect means something in terms of the in terms of the rarity and the uniqueness of the accomplishment. So if you want to celebrate its own separate category, first combined no-hitter in history of the sport, fine. But don't equate it as the third no-hitter in postseason history with Holiday in 2010. And damn sure don't equate it with Larson's perfect game in 56. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's it's it, it's it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as Javier going nine innings by himself throwing a no hitter. That that that's that's different. Totally different. Totally different. And how about uh, Dusty? Dusty was the manager for the Reds when they got no hit in the two thousand and ten. NLDS, the last no-hitter of any kind combined or solo effort in postseason history. And also earlier in this series, he was the manager for the Giants, uh, which at the time was like gave up the, sec- the, the one of the largest uh, comebacks in World Series uh, history when uh, he let the, uh, when his Giants team let the Angels uh, come back from a deficit uh, during, I, I look, uh, what game was that, uh, between them and the, uh, and the, uh, Los Angeles Angels. So, so a lot of parallels with Dusty, uh, with Dusty Baker in this, uh, in this World Series with the, as far, with the, uh, with the, uh, with the hist with the history and the historical significance of it. Um, let me see, let me see if I can, uh. Uh, overcome a five run. This was game. Might have been game. Was it game six? I believe it was game six. Let me double check. Um, was it game six? Yep, game six. Five run deficit. Yep, it was game six when the uh, when the uh, Giants had a uh, had a five run deficit heading into the uh, bottom of the seventh inning. And a three-run seventh, a three-run eighth, and all of a sudden you're staring at a game uh, seven in uh, Southern California. Um, but and then in terms of game five on Thursday night, that was a game that you know the the Phillies had to win, and the Phillies bats were just they 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 were nowhere to be found. You had to you had to send out a uh, a uh, uh, Amber Alert for them. After after Schwarber's leadoff home run on Thursday night, you know the the bats just went quiet. They went quiet, and we and uh, Verlander was due for a uh, for a great start in the World Series. He's never prior to Thursday night. He's never won a World Series game in his life, so he so he was so he was due for a phenomenal. Uh, 
he was due for a phenomenal, impressive, impressive, excuse me, World Series performance. He's a, he's pitching going to the Hall of Fame, and out and excluding the World Series in his you know historically he's been a very very good postseason pitcher. Not great, but a very good postseason pitcher. Um, so he was due, and boy, wouldn't boy after the Schwarber home run, he put on a nice performance. Six strikeouts, five innings of work, four hits. You can make the argument that Dusty left them in too long. Uh, and one of, and you can also uh, pose the question that that uh, Dusty has had a little bit too long of a leash with uh, Justin Verlander in the postseason. Left them out way too long. Uh, left them out way too long uh, in his World Series start. Uh, uh, what game was that? I believe World Series start in game number one. I believe he pitched game one, right? Yep, in game number one, you can give him the you can make the argument that Dusty left him out there too long in game one. You can certainly make the argument that that Dusty let the uh, you know, and thank God for Jordan Alvarez the bail amount of this one. But you can, uh, but you can also make the argument that he gave him too long of a leash in Game One against Seattle, when Seattle had that onslaught in the first few innings of the game, and it, thanks to the heroics of Jordan Alvarez, Justin Verlander was off the hook, and ended up uh, catapulting them to a three-game series sweep over their division rival, uh, Seattle Mariners. But he was due for a good, he was due for a good start, and then the one mistake all night he he made, and he got it out of the way early. Was Schwarber with a leadoff home run at the top of the first, and then it was uh, good morning, good afternoon, good night for the most part for the rest of the night. Verlander, like I said, the aforementioned six strikeouts and only gave up uh, the and only gave up the uh, the four hits, and then give Neris Abreu, Montero coming out of the back end of the bullpen doing a uh, doing an excellent job. Uh, Mon Montero gave up the gave up one run. Uh, in his uh, third of an inning of work, gave up the one run, which made things interesting, which brought uh, Philadelphia within a run. Give Trey Mancini tremendous credit. I mean, what a what a catch! What a, I mean, that is one of those situations, you know, in baseball, especially when you're playing a corner infield position, where if you think you think you're not, you know, you're going to miss the ball, or you're going to make a mistake, or the play's not going to be made. That's just, that's one of those situations where the ball is hit to you and your natural instinct of being a baseball player and that your natural instinct instinct of playing first base, especially Mancini's been around a little bit on the uh, at the major league level, that's where just your instincts kick in and you just, for whatever the reason, the ball is hit directly to you and without even thinking about it, your glove is is where it is, is there where it needs to be. Ball, a smoke show right there, Mancini, Puts his, puts his glove down and essentially goes down to the ground as if he's as if he's tackling the baseball. Puts his glove down and catches it right there to save a to save what would have been a big 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 inning in the bottom of the in the bottom of the eighth inning with Schwarber at the plate and with Schwarber at the plate. And and uh, Brand and Bryson stopped the tying run on third base with Gene Segura, uh, the go-ahead run at first. A huge and Mancini who hasn't hit all postseason long, not just in the World Series, but hasn't hit all postseason long. Essentially makes up for his for his gigantic slump he's been in for about a month with a play that you could make the argument not even uh, throwing Chaz McCormick's uh, catch in the outfield. Uh, throwing Chaz McCormick's out that he made the catch that he made in center field out, you know, throwing throwing that aside, 
you can certainly make the argument that that uh, that that um that that play for Mancini saved the World Series for the Astros. Because if that ball gets by him, Stott scores, the game is tied, and Segura with his speed probably gets the third base, and depending on how far the ball rolls, he might score all the way from first, running on contact with two outs. Phillies win, Phillies win the game. They're up 3-2, heading into Houston in game six, with the Astros having to have something to think about on the plane ride back, trying to force a game seven on Sunday. With the with the with the uh, with the Phillies also having in the back of their minds that they've that you know winning game one uh, in Houston last weekend. So you can make the argument that that play is more significant, and that play is the play of the series rather than McCormick's catch in the in the uh, bottom of the ninth inning. And McCormick's catch and McCormick's catch was was uh, was was uh, was a was a hell of a catch, but if he but look at it this way, if he doesn't if he doesn't and I understand Harper was coming up right behind Harper was coming up right behind him, uh, but you know he McCormick doesn't make that catch. JT Realmuto, you know, it's got a double, may a, a, a one out double, get maybe. And triple inside the park home run. So, so, but I think my estimation that that was the play of the series. And I have to say he's the former Oriole, but from my vantage point, from my standpoint, in my opinion, Mancini's play was more vital. Now, not to say Chess McCormick wasn't, but I think Mancini's play was a more of a clutch, important play to make than McCormick's. And a large part because of the degree of difficulty that it was. McCormick tracked the fly ball, tracked it, tracked it, tracked it, timed his jump, caught the ball. Everybody was making it out to be Willie Mays in 54. No, no, no. Meanwhile, Mancini had to basically, his instincts just had to kick in. The ball was hit so hard and came at him so fast, uh, pause, uh, he had no time to think. Had no time to think. Ball hit right to him. The glove just... You can't even like think of the brain doesn't even probably have enough time to like process and just you know put the put your put your glove on the down tray. The ball is hit, bam! You, it just instinct kicks in. Sheer instinct kicks in. Um, and another uh, thing I wanted to take away that I took away from the game too. Uh, Reese Hoskins has had a terrible game. Terrible. He kicked the ball, you know, on the ball on the uh, play hit towards him. He's kicking the ball, trying to do two things at once. Feel the ball, Reese, and then you know he's doing too many things at once. He had an error at first base, and he had two, uh, and he had two horrendous at bats. Uh, he had two horrendous at bats in the bottom of the in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, he's he's just, he's swinging and whiffing at pitches left and right. Presley makes got him up there and made Reese Hoskins look like a, a complete fool at the plate. Uh, got an embarrassing strikeout in the bottom of the ninth inning. 0 for five with four strikeouts. He's hit one sixty nine in this series. I mean it 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 is ugh, it's just terrible at bats. No plate discipline to speak of whatsoever. Just swinging and giving away outs and giving away. Uh, strikes 
uh, to the uh, to the uh, Astros. Really, ever since his heroics in Game One, he's been nowhere to be found in this series. And then had the terrible error, which allowed the Astros a little bit of breathing room to get to uh, get an extra to get an extra run to get an extra run uh, to get an extra run during the sequence of uh, during the sequence of the game on uh, on third on excuse me on Thursday night. So it's just he's he's had a terrible, terrible, terrible series. Error, 0 for 5, four strikeouts. Not a memorable performance for Reese Hoskins. Verlander dominates, of course, like I said, uh due for due for an impressive performance. He gave up the Schwarber home run and then buckled down the rest of the night. McCormick's catch, good catch, great catch, not as impressive and not as clutch. There's nobody on base. Not as impressive, not as clutch as Mancini's. That ball gets through. That ball gets through Mancini, or ricochets off of him and rolls towards the Phillies dugout, or rolls into short right field. The the Phillies the Phillies take the lead. They now they tie the game. They go up one. You know if 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 McCormick doesn't make the catch and and you know it's. You know, it's a, it's a it's a triple double at best, maybe maybe an inside the ball Cormon if it hits and rolls the right way off the right field wall. But if it, even if it is an inside the ball Cormon, the game is tied and there's nobody still on base. Man, that ball gets through Mancini. The the Phillies up four three, and they most likely have the have uh, have the fifth run of the game standing in scoring position. Gets through Mancini, at minimum the game is tied. And with Segura running on contact and two outs, the Phillies, I in my opinion, have the lead. But the Phillies batches couldn't hit. They hit the five home runs in Game Three and then went completely silent. Couldn't buy a hit, of course, in Game. Couldn't buy a hit, of course, in Game Four when it got combined no hit. And then yet, and then on Thursday they were able to muster up. A, they were able to to generate a little bit of offense, but a little bit of offense is not going to be enough. Good pitching stops good hitting, folks. That's all there is to it. Good pitching stops good hitting, and the way the Astros are swinging the bat, especially out the gate, top first, uh, Pena, dry, Pingle, dry, Pena, excuse me, with his RBI single to drive in Altuve, who got the party started. Uh, with a uh, with a leadoff double, yes, you know you got to be able to. Now they're able to come back right with a nice uh, return punch with Schwarber's home run, but it can't be Schwarber's home run, and that's it, because Payne's had himself a hell of a postseason. Uh, uh, ALCS MVP, who is hitting, uh, who's hitting three thirty three in the, who's hitting three thirty three uh, in the postseason. Carlos Correa's a replacement, young young star making no money, who's done a phenomenal job for the Astros in the postseason, three thirty three, but an OPS over a thousand, four home runs, eight RBIs. You got to be able to, you got to be able to to, uh, to to have a to do more than have Schwarber just hit the ball out of the ballpark. And again, Reese Hoskins at bats were disgusting, disgusting. Throw in Reese, throw throw in. Uh, uh, Throwing uh, the mistakes by Hoskins at first base, and uh, and and hitting off of David Robertson, and they have a two-run uh, top of the eighth inning, and that was all, and that was the difference in the game. 
Not out to not it was the difference in the game. That top of the eighth inning was where the game was going. And the Phillies had many a chances in the fifth inning, seventh inning, eighth inning to at least tie the game again or take the lead, and they couldn't capitalize. The Phillies, one of seven with runners in scoring position, left 12 guys on base. And unless their bats don't find that game three or that game one magic again, Astros going to be the World Series champions. And it'll, be, and it'll be before Sunday night. Like I'm promise you. But I told you, Astros too good of a baseball team to lose three consecutive games in Philadelphia. Philly fans feeling themselves, all this big bad Citizens Bank ballpark, undefeated in this building, this, that, and all that goes out the window against this Astros team. Astros team is built different. Like them, loathe them, lump them, doesn't matter. <laughs> They're just that damn good. We'll take a break. We'll get to the circus that is the Brooklyn Nets. This is the Amatella Cotillias podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. When when it rains, it's a hurricane when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. And let me do let me discuss Kyrie Irving and this complex issue with him first, and then I will get to uh and then I'll get to um Steve Nash and KD in the Nets second. In case you guys haven't learned or don't know, if you're living under a rock, Kyrie Irving, to call him a waste of time, to call him a distraction, poison, a team cancer, would be an understatement. I mean, from the flat earth nonsense to the vac to the anti-vax foolishness, it's just his thoughts on Christmas not being a holiday. It's just December twenty-fifth. You remember? I mean, it is. I mean, it's. I've 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 had enough. Okay, I've I've had enough. You know, bad enough that Kyrie Irving doesn't show up to work. He doesn't show up to work on a consistent game in, game out, night in, night out basis. Bad enough he doesn't show up to work. 
I'm not, 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 not with the regular loads management where, or, you know, a random Friday night in, in November or in January, they don't play. No, I'm talking about like he, you know, he misses a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month of basketball, nowhere near the team. You can't find him. Nobody knows what he's up to and where and his whereabouts. And all of a sudden, he, when he feels like it, he just pops up and feel, okay, I feel like playing basketball now. That's what I'm talking about. Whether you can discuss with the, back, uh, I believe it was last year, if not year before last, where he's fought around uh, at his, uh, where he, blow, he blew off a team uh, Midwest road trip to go hang out uh, with his sister for a birthday party. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. It, it it just it it becomes so so just tedious, annoying to talk about, annoying to discuss, tedious to talk. It's just it's it's just enough of Kyrie Irving. And then when you thought that you've seen it all, when you thought that you've seen it all, then comes what took place over the last week or so with with uh, with Kyrie and this uh, and this and this movie that he treated that he tweeted out, titled "Hebrews to Negroes Wake Up Black America." And him, and this is after also the fact that he promoted something of Alex Jones, the crazy lunatic conspiracy theorist. That's getting sued billions, getting sued millions upon millions of dollars for saying that the for saying basically among other things that the Sandy Hook school shooting ten years ago, next month didn't exist, that it was that it was all a, a, a stage thing with paid actors. Got sued for it, and not and, and the people that and the parents that of those poor children from that died ten years ago won, and 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 uh, and Alex Jones has got to pay the piper on it. As a result, for him spreading lies and his and his conspiracy theories and and all this other goop and the gooperish nonsense he spouts on his program, and I ain't even talking about Trump or the election. That's that that's just it's just plain recklessness and foolishness with him. Frogs can make you gay and all that other sort of stuff. He's got he's got a he's got a litany of just stupid crap that he sits and spews on his on his program, stuff that long before you can get to Trump and 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 the election or the throw that out just with just just even take the Sandy Hook school shoot school shooting and then just work your way backwards or work your way forwards everything anyway he's promoting crap from Alex Jones. And then he stands up, and then he promotes this move, this uh, this movie from 2018, saying basically, among other things, that uh, that that people of color, Black Americans, are the true descendants of the biblical Israelites, and saying that Jews today are not actually Jewish; they are culturally appropriated the religious heritage of Black people, and then cover it up. Going on to basically state, among other things, that the Holocaust didn't exist, that the Holocaust didn't exist, and uh, spreading conspiracy theories about the Rothschild family, saying that that it claims of an international Jewish conspiracy, which 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 is guided to oppress and defraud black people. Which it's it's just I it. The whole thing to me doesn't. The whole thing doesn't make any damn sense. I'm sorry, 
and we and 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 if you're the Kyrie Irvings of the world, and to a lesser degree the Kanye West of the world, they want to get up on your soapbox and 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 and, and, and preach this and try to basically make yourselves out to be Malcolm X or Dr. King, twenty first century version. You have to understand one thing, okay? Just because that that you can pinpoint and you can select a, a a few a one person, a few people, or a small collection group of people, and in Kanye's case, he's talking about uh, the the people that own and ran the record companies from back in the day. Well, they took advantage of black people and exploited them. And they've done it from then. And some do it all the way up through this day. And they're Jewish. So therefore, you know, to hell with all of them. No. No. Just because there were a selection, small selection, of people that happened to be Jewish that worked in the music, that work in the music and in the entertainment industry doesn't mean you throw the baby out the bathwater. We as black people sit up and have sat up for years, for decades, for generations about how just because one black person, two black people, three, four, five, six of the just because it's a a a pinpoint little colonization of black people that may exercise the negative bad stereotypes, sagging of the pants, walk around with the wife beater, uh lazy, lethargic, uh smoking weed all the time, you know, all all the negative connotations and the negative stereotypes you've heard about black people. That's a part of that's a part of the, the that's made up the systematic racism that we live in. Live in and are part of living in America from all the way up until now in 2022. Just because they exist doesn't mean that you know we as black we we do it all the time. We do it and we preach against it all the time. Well, just because uh, Bobby and Willie are lazy, that doesn't mean that every single black person is lazy. Just because they don't bathe, they stink, they, they, they wear you know, they wear their clothes hanging off their ass and all sorts of stuff, doesn't mean that every single black person is like that. And we've been f- trying to fight and, def- and defeat those stereotypes for years within our community. That just because there's a couple of there's a couple of bad apples doesn't mean that you throw out the entire race or paint an entire race with a broad brush, like like they're all people that are bad and counterproductive for counterproductive uh, for counterproductive to society. We fight against that all the time. Well, he's wearing a hood. He does He's up to no good wearing a hood, walking. We all the time. Whether it's George, the situation with George Zimmerman, or you pick. The black person that's been killed by the police. You pick them on Aubrey that was killed by those two jackoffs down in Georgia. You 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 pick you pick you pick the scenario. And we sit up there and we scream, we yell, we shout, we tweet, we cry about how just because one person 
may, to your perception, generate that negative stereotype doesn't make it true and doesn't mean that you treat everybody that you treat every single black person like that. And we're right when we say that. We're we're right. You don't do you don't do that to people. We do the you know same thing with the uh, same thing when you when we talk about uh, when we talk about you know g- gay people and transgen and transgenders. What that just because they just because that you can put you can put together out of uh, uh, millions of people you can put together a little small clique of trans of transgenders transvestites gay people that that uh, gay men primarily that you know that 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 rape and and violate little boys and uh, little boys and uh and, and and other and other human beings sexually in the bathroom sexual just because you can you can pinpoint and find a collection of group of people amongst that community that are evil up to no good and don't and don't contribute anything positive to society. It doesn't mean that every single gay person, every single transgender human being, is a predator and up to no good, and somebody that should be outcasted from society. People fight against that that stigma that stigma all the time. Just because you can pinpoint and find a uh, find find a collection of gay men that love to do no, that love to do nothing but take boys and take other men in the bathroom and and, and rape them and and take and and, and and take advantage of them doesn't mean that every single gay human being every single transgender is like that. It's a, it's the same thing with this. Just because you can you can pinpoint you can find you can look throughout history of many of Jewish people in the music and in the entertainment industry that take over primarily black people african americans because we make up a good population of the music and the entertainment industry just because you can find a handful collection of millions or th- or hundreds of thousands of people doesn't mean that Jewish people are are evil, scum of the earth, uh, likeness of the devil, and all that other sort of foolishness. Same principle, same situation applies here. That that they're trying to, that they're trying to oppress and defra- and, and and defraud black people. No. 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 Sinapir and and the Holocaust didn't exist. How many people died of the Holocaust? How many people died of the Holocaust, Kyrie Irving? How many? How many? How many people? Does Does Kyrie Irving know how many people died of the Holocaust? I'll tell you. Six million Jews. And when the Kyrie Irvings of the world and the Kanye Wests of the world go on and promote this foolishness, they always seem to somehow forget that if they black asses was caught in 1940s Germany and Germany occupied Europe, do they realize that they black asses would be thrown in the gas chamber along with the rest of the Jews? Do 
Do they realize that? Do they? Do they? The Jews was what was what was was the first was was the primary group of people that Hitler tried to spin Germany's uh, little depression that they were in post World War One up up against. But they weren't the only ones. It's black people. It's gay people. Round them up, throw them in a gas chamber. And the problem with Kyrie Irving is, is that he is the type of human being that thinks that just because he has a a, a degree from Duke, he went to Duke, graduated from Duke, and just because he you know reads the cover of a book or the summary of of a book on the back of the book. Or has a couple of conversations while probably, you know, smoking some hashish or some enlightening drug, so to speak. Or just because he thinks he's Kyrie Irving, he thinks he has, same thing that gets Aaron Rodgers in trouble. Thinks that he has the answers and the solutions to the world's problems. That of all the people that are on the earth... Over 3 billion people, if I'm not mistaken. That he thinks he has all the answers and all the solutions to the world's problems. That because I'm Kyrie Irving and you're not, I got the answers and you don't. And anybody who dares to question me like that reporter of about a week uh, earlier this week, uh, we, earlier, how dare you? That you're attacking my character, you're dehumanizing me, you're this, that, and the other. Bull frickin' crap. Okay? Kyrie has to understand, with comes great power, comes great responsibility. He's a professional athlete with millions of followers on Twitter and on Instagram. Okay? He, he being a professional athlete in the NBA, he has to realize that he, that, that him... Posting something, him retweeting something, him sharing something on his Instagram story holds a lot of weight. Whether he wants whether he wants to recognize it or accept it or not, it carries a lot of weight because of who he is, what he's accomplished on the basketball court, and the occupation that puts a roof over his head. He has to realize and recognize that. And a lot of problem, not just with him, but a lot of, of these athletes and these entertainers today, they, they, they fail to grasp, they fail to grasp the amount of influence they have on regular everyday society and on American culture. They fail to realize it. We saw it with Rogers last November with the whole vaccine nonsense. We see it with Kyrie Irving. We see it, obviously, of course, with Kanye West. We see a lot of celebrities go about their business as if what they say on a public platform such as social media doesn't hold any weight. Like it's me saying it, you saying it, the average Joe saying it. Where we can where we can sit here, we can scream and shout to the heavens that that what we think is 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 is, is the sure doubt, you know, clear cut, cut and dry gospel truth. And if people disagree with it or people hear it, it will go one ear out the other, and it won't hone any significant weight and value to it. No, 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 no. Kyrie Irving is a superstar basketball player, NBA champion. What he says. On Twitter, social media, about anything could be from his take on 
take on 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 the vaccine to the earth is flat to Jordan versus LeBron who's better his opinion holds weight in this society in this country what he says holds weight and for him to be irrespons so irresponsible so stupid so 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 clueless so ignorant to to, to to post this on his social media page and then sit back when he has to meet the meet the music and face the music on Thursday and basically do everything and skirt around the mulberry bush but apologize for it is something that you cannot under any circumstances defend. You ca you cannot defend it. I'm sorry, I take responsibility for it. Well, no shit, you took responsibility for it. You're the one that posted it. Who the hell do you think posted it? What? It wasn't on Ben Simmons. It wasn't on his feed. It was on yours. And yes, we can also sit up here and make the argument that at that the same anger and the vitriol faced at Kyrie Irving should be also should should be more directed at Bezos and Amazon for having it on their platform and making profit off of it. Yes, that's a fair argument. I've heard that argument being made, and it's a fair, honest argument that I agree with. Kyrie Irving ain't making money off of it. He didn't make it. Amazon, they didn't make it, but they have it on their platform. For people to buy it, for people to consume it, for people to watch it, and in the book variation for people to read it, and they're making money off of it. So that's a fair argument. But still, just because Amazon and Jeff Bezos are reckless and irresponsible doesn't give Kyrie Irving the right to be reckless and ignorant and anti-Semitic and irresponsible. Kyrie Irving is a grown-ass man. Doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't let, it, he does not get off the hook for this. You do not sit up here and spew anti-Semitic rhetoric to build yourself up. You don't tear down the Jewish community for, you know, to, to build yourself and to build the black community up. Black power and 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 and, and, and black nationalism and and, and, and and black pride. No, you don't do that. You don't tear somebody else down to build yourself up. That's part of the problem with this society today. It's tear each other and hurt each other and 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 tear each other down to lift yourself and the people around you up. And in case you haven't noticed, you realize how counterproductive that is? Hell, we see it in politics all the time. Let me tear you down, dehumanize, and, and make you feel like nothing so I can make myself and, and I can increase my own self-worth and self-value. That's why this country is, is is in the mess that it's in now. Everybody is everybody is participating in, in like in like the the, the the struggle Olympics. Black people versus Jews, Jews ver, Jews versus black people, black people versus the gay community. It's a, it's 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 just it's, it's like it's like it's like an Olympics of suffering. I tear you down to build my to build myself up. I feel like I'm more important because because uh, because six million people that that practice the same religion I do died in the Holocaust. I feel more important than you because because we were slaves brought over. It's a, well, I I feel like I'm better than better than you because I'm outcasted for 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 being sexually attracted to someone that shares the same gender as I. It's all the same 
excuse the excuse the excuse the word it's all uh, just a clusterfuck to to accomplish what exactly a clusterfuck to see what who who gets more oppressed and who uh and, and who is more of a of a and who has a harder time to accomplish the quote unquote american dream compared to the straight christian male is that what this is A race to the bottom, so they can pump up their chest and say, "Ah, look at me! I, I, I'm, I'm a part of the community that's that's the most oppressed in America." As if we, as if you're supposed to wear that, like as if it's a badge of honor. Like I, I, I don't, I don't get it. We're all in this thing called life and in this country together, and in order to accomplish equality with black people, Jewish people. Gays, women, you name it. In order to accomplish that, you're not going to get anywhere tearing other minorities, other groups of people down. You're not going to accomplish anything by tearing down other people around you to build yourself up. You're not going to accomplish anything. And for Kyrie Irving, again, to do this, he's missing the whole point. In picture, the Holocaust didn't exist. Kyrie, there is vi- there is visual documented evidence. You can look it up. You can go go to the Holocaust Museum, watch documentaries for yourself. The Holocaust did exist. That's one of the reasons why we had to fight in a world war, a second world war, to stop the spread of Nazism. You had to fight a war to put an end to it. You had your grand, you ha- you had your grandparents, your great grandparents, your great uncle, your great uncles, black people that got dis- that that got discriminated against in their own damn country that took up arms, joined joined the military to fight the spread of worldwide Nazism. To save God knows how many other Jews from being wiped off the face of the earth. See, that's the thing that also he don't understand. Hitler's goal was to wipe the Jewish population off the face of the planet. And we know that if the tables were reversed, and it was Hitler or some crazy-ass U.S. president that tried to wipe black people off the face of the planet. And it's in some way there was in some ways there was an effort of that happening with lynchings and blowing up black churches and, and, and police brutality and everything else. Us as black people would raise holy hell about it as we rightfully should. And we in turn would look to white people, Jews included, to be arm in arm, hand in hand, and be just as upset and just as outraged about it as we are, as they rightfully should be. 
we as black people did the same thing and would want the same thing and wanted the same thing two years ago when it was Ahmaud Arbery getting killed by those by those two guys riding on the back of a truck with the rifles, whether it was George Floyd in Minneapolis, whether it was Breonna Taylor. You name the black individual that was killed during that 2019 to 2021 period in the in the middle of the whole pandemic. You pick, you name the black woman, the black man, Trayvon Martin, uh, uh, Freddie Gray, you name the black human being and how outraged and how upset and how annoyed and how pissed off and how angry that we were as a community and as a people that we saw one of our own get treated like a piece of shit and how we wanted black, how we wanted white people, Jews included, Hispanics, Middle Eastern, Asians, you name how we wanted every single population group of, of, of race of people that weren't black that were that were living in this country during that time and how we wanted them to show and exercise the same outrage, the same disgust, the same uh, 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 feeling of, of frustration and annoyance and this can't go on anymore. You, you remember that. Kyrie Irving, you remember that how we wanted, how we wanted not just because white, because we as black, we, we were like we were sick and tired of doing it. It's always our fight. It's always our struggles. Always something we gotta pound the drum and and, and, and scream to a blue in the face, and cry eyeballs out about it. We sat up here, me included, saying, "Damn it, why are you white people going to stand up and show some gumption?" Same thing happens here. Yes, you can sit up here and you can find members of the Jewish community who are crooked, who are up to no good, and uh, from back then in the, in the 50s and the 60s, and probably you can, and maybe up, uh, not even maybe, but up till now, that take advantage of people, take advantage of black people within the entertainment and music industry, but doesn't mean that the entire group of people, that the entire Jewish community is poison, is up to no good. You know, the Holocaust didn't exist. They're the equivalent to the devil. That Hitler was some brilliant, some some genius man and every human being should model themselves after. No! You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because there's there's a there's there's a handful of bad apples that are that 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 that, that have done us as a community and have done other human beings harm, you don't do that. That's that's that that's the same ignorance that we sit up there and we preach against when it comes to racism to our own people. And then we, hypocritical, are gonna do the same thing to them. And yet expect them and other white people and other groups of people to pick up a bat and hit for us when it comes to our own struggles that we have to deal with as as a community, when it comes to systematic racism. The two don't add up. That you can't accomplish anything thinking and operating like that. Because God forbid, let somebody get killed by the police tomorrow, have it get caught on tape, it goes viral, and us as black people will be standing up there looking to our white brethren and saying, well, what are you going to do about it? Meanwhile, we do, meanwhile, we do the same similar thing when it comes to Jewish people. Yet we expect 
their favor to be returned when it's when it's when, when the tables are shifted. World don't work like that. I understand. Jewish people make up a large part of Jewish people are white and white people are still the the main primary dominant 1A group of people within the United States of America make up over 60-65% of the population I get that I get that and it's a little bit of a different experience compared to somebody that has a totally different skin complexion, skin tone, skin color with nappy hair, I get that that there's difference. That even though the Jewish, that that, that even though that the me being a member of the Jewish community, you have your issues. You you face anti-Semitism. You face hate. That in certain level, in certain set of circumstances, certain levels, you don't feel the same exact pinpoint discrimination and and, and racism. Judaism is a religion, isn't a race, but. You don't face that. I get that. I understand that. It's not the same as being hated or being made fun of for being Asian or being made fun of because you're Hispanic or being black, where where it's a, where it's a difference of culture, difference of phys of difference of physical, you know, uh, actual looks, kinkiness of the hair, skin color, all that. I get that. I understand that. It still does. It still makes. It's still no excuse. It's no excuse. And I'm tired of black people sitting up on social media who couldn't tell you a damn thing about the Holocaust. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. Let's call a spade a spade. I think a lot of people, I'm not talking about, you know, celebrities. But I'm talking about the average schmuck on, on Twitter, on, on Instagram. You think a lot of them could be able to tell you anything about the Holocaust? Hitler's rise to power. How many Jews died in the Holocaust? How they were identified? You know, when they were in the concentration camps. You know, the 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 Star of David on the on the on their on their blue and white striped pajamas. If they read and or watched the boy in the striped pajamas, know the know the know the history of Auschwitz. Uh, the 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 the, the uh, um. Uh, you, you just. The, the 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 Nazi Germany and World War Two's and how and how that's and how and how Nazism and 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 the Holocaust is tied into the freaking sound of me. You think any of them would be able to tell you about that? Let, let, let's let's call a spade a spade and call like we see it. Another issue with with society today, and especially I hate to say with my own people, is that there's a lot of there's too many of 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 us walking around here proud of their ignorance. Wearing their ignorance, wearing and proud of the fact that they don't know shit, and they wear it like it wear it like it's a badge of honor. Black people aren't the only ones. They're not the only ones to be fair. But I'm speaking as as a member that, that makes up the black population in this country. Proud of the fact that they don't know anything, that they don't know their history. Well, it's white people. Uh, what do we need to care about white people for? We need to care because you live a part of this thing called the United States of America. You need to know because you because you are a human being on the face of this earth. Tired of well, it's white people. F white history. F 
white American. No, you need you need to know the history of 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 of, of the European Caucasian uh, the human species in America just as much as you know need to know the same about your own. You need to know history, period, and stop cutting it up into these little little stupid ass sections. Well, I'm going to learn strictly about black history and nothing else. Well, what the hell does that accomplish? And I'm tired of black people walking around talking about, uh, well, you're, you're anti-black, you're a coon, you're this, that, and the other, not standing arm in arm and hand in hand with Kyrie Irving. French toast that. I'm not going to sit up and be arm in arm and locked hand in hand with, with, with ignorance. With stupidity, with anti-Semitism, just because you're black, what? Just because you're black, you you get a pass, and I'm supposed to co-sign with with your and yeah, I'm supposed to co-sign with your bull drive just because you share the same skin color as I do. Fuck that. I'm not gonna co-sign on your foolishness and co-sign on your ignorance, co-sign on your stupidity. Your arrogance, your ignorance, your anti-Semitism, your hate, just because you share the same skin color as I do. And just because I don't doesn't make me anti-black, doesn't make me a coon, doesn't make me a self-hating Negro, doesn't make me an Uncle Ruckus. It do- No, it doesn't. You know what it makes me? It makes me a smart, educated, intelligent, non-hateful, decent human being. That's what it makes me. And I'm tired of reading up and down Twitter, Instagram, all this on all this sort of. I'm tired of reading and hearing about well, you anti-black, you 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 condemning Kyrie Irving. No, I'm not. I'm someone with with common ass sense. And I think the Kyrie Irvings and the Kanye's of the dude, they love to take a little bit of truth and mix it up and convolute it and contaminate it with a whole lot of bull drive and a whole lot of opinions and and and, and, and conspiracy theories and uh and 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 and, and um ideologies and um what's the other word I'm looking for? And uh and and and, and, and perceptions. And half truths and falsehoods. They take a little bit of truth, little bit of, fa- of, 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 of an element of fact, and then they convolute it and then they mix it up and they BS, and they mix up and they serve you the BS punch. A little bit of truth and a whole lot of other foolishness. Perceptions and what they think and what they feel and all this other sort of stuff. Instead of going off of the facts, data and the statistics. Taking your emotions out of it. I'm not going to co-sign off on your bull jive. I'm not. And it doesn't make me anti-black, and it doesn't make me a self-hating Negro for calling out Kyrie Irving's foolishness, for calling out Kanye West's foolishness. Makes me a smart, educated adult. And not some soul and not some soul dead, obedient soldier of society that we that we must Always march arm in arm and hand in hand with every single person that that look that looks like us. No. Being an obedient soldier, I must obey. Uh, I must obey uh, Big Brother Kyrie Irving. 
I will obey Big Brother Kyrie Irving. I will obey Big Brother Kanye West. No. It's part of the damn problem. Educate yourself and see things for yourself. See it for yourself. Educate yourself. Let it swirl around your head a little bit. And then make your opinion, make your, and build your take off of what you've seen and off of what you learned and the research that you've done. Not, oh, well, Kanye West said it. Oh, Kyrie Irving said it. It must be the truth. No. Again, part of the problem with our American society altogether. Somebody with a platform says something, says it, says that it's true, says it with a with a convenient with a uh, with a convincing tone. All of a sudden, we we assume it's truth without doing any other work on doing any other work on the back on the back end of it. And for Kyrie Irving to stand up there and and to basically shuck and drive around the questions and take responsibility but not apologizing for it. And then when he realized that his feet's getting held to the fire and somebody whispers to him, hey, Kyrie, you're about to lose your Nike sponsorship, then he wants to sit up here and craft out this long-ass, uh, this long-ass, uh, heavily uh, e edited and manicured little essay on his, on, on his social media feed and, and, and put that out there to save his hide. Cause somebody stood up there and told him, "Hey, Kyrie, you sure you wanna, you sure you want to co-sign on this foolishness? Cause you're about to lose a whole hell of a lot of money, and I ain't just talking about five game checks from the Brooklyn Nets either. So an apology wasn't even an apology. It was, it was something. It was a statement he had to put out there, you know, to Mr. Company Man, in order to save his hide, in order to make sure that the that the checks from Nike keep flowing in." And ironically enough, he puts out he puts out his his, uh, his manufactured apology, and then Nike told him, and Nike came on the back end and still told him that we want no parts of you. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? And you can see why. And listen. We know uh, Steve Nash, again, got coached in circles by Ime Udoka in the playoffs last year. His team plays no defense. He has no voice within that locker room. And this is after the fact that Kyrie, and this is after the fact that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant fired Atkinson and, and said basically, among other things, on a little show together, well, hell, we don't need... Hell, we don't need a hell. We don't need a coach. And they went out there and they and they cherry picked Steve and they cherry picked Steve Nash, who has no voice, has no presence, has no power, has no influence, no identity with the team. And we saw it plenty in the playoffs back in the springtime when he got coached and got out coached in circles by Emil Doke in the playoffs. So he's out. He's out. Blessing in the side in disguise for for Steve Nash because I can imagine coaching Kyrie Irving and in turn Kevin Durant is not one of the easiest uh, things to do as a, as a for 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 a team that we that we've thought of and we've and we've said about for weeks that they are a uh, that they're an NBA uh, championship contending team and and they got to deal with and they got to deal with those two head cases. On top of the fact that back in the summertime, Kevin Durant made uh, made it known and told all of us that he wasn't going to play for uh, play for the Brooklyn Nets again if the GM and the, if the GM Sean Marks and the uh, and the head coach uh, um, and the and the head coach Steve Nash was still employed. 
threw them underneath the bus and make them out to feel like a horse's ass. Like they have no feelings. That they have no that that they have no feelings. They have no family. They have no pride. That 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 they're just expendable things. They're not human beings. They're just they're just expendable. They're just expendable. Head coach, I screw him. He's expendable. I, I don't like him. I want him out. Get 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 the hell out of my face. Really? Really? Move heaven and earth to get Steve Nash employed. You make his life a living hell, and then all of a sudden, you you know, KD in the summertime, he says goodnight, and the Nets inexplicably, instead of just cutting out the middleman and just cutting all the getting and just uh, not and them uh, avoiding the catastrophe and avoiding the foolishness and the embarrassment and the and just the the headache that comes with firing your coach after the first what seven eight games of the season they decided to bring him in to start the season only to get rid of him by early november before thanksgiving well if you knew that er, that that ken ran didn't want to play with him anymore or didn't want to play for him anymore and, and you thought that the team needed a new head coach what the hell changed between the first seven weeks of this season and them getting swept in the first round by Boston in mid-late April. I don't understand. He had all of May, all of June, all of July, all of August, all of September. He had five full months to contemplate and think about Steve Nash's future, yet you knew the train wreck you were probably going to get yourself into to begin the season. You don't start out as high as you like, and all of a sudden you want him out? That made completely, completely zero sense. And to go back to the uh, Kyrie thing as we close out this long segment. For the NBA and Adam Silver, who dragged his ass with the handling of Sarver, the Suns owner, with the racist behavior and the misogynistic sexist behavior amongst his organization with Phoenix for Adam Silver to drag his feet with that during the summertime instead of being giant on the spot about it uh, like he was with Donald Sterling where it was the easiest decision in the world when everybody and their mother wanted Don, wanted Don Sterling out of there on top of the fact that he, that he had players threatening not to play a playoff game because they didn't want to play for that racist piece of filth and and him not being Johnny on the spot with that, I mean, really, from from that back in the summertime, from that back in the summertime, to this situation with Kyrie Irving, I mean, Adam Silver has 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 looked like a horse's ass with his handling of this, and the thing ain't Adam Silver Jewish, ain't he Jewish? Come from a Jewish family? Ain't he Jewish? And yet he's dragging his feet, dragging his ass with the handling of this Kyrie Irving situation? I mean, from the Sarver thing in the summertime to this, to say that my respect for Adam Silver as a commissioner, as a person has gone down, has would, would be a complete understatement. Because where in the hell has he been through all throughout all of this? Week late, late to the party, puts out some weak-ass statement, well, we'll talk to Kyrie Irving. 
no talking with Kyrie Irving. He he saw something. He posted. He promoted it. He he doubled down. He didn't he didn't immediately apologize or show any remorse for what he said or did. You you can his ass for indefinitely. Five days, a week, a month, two months, I don't care. He ain't playing for the foreseeable future. Yet, yet it's, it's producing it's some producing some weak-ass statement. Oh, we'll talk to Kyrie Irving, we'll do this and the other. I don't, I, what, what do you, what's that need to be talked about? He did what he did and you hand out punishment. What is what we need to talk to him, we need to meet with them. No! He put out some anti-Semitic, half-assed horse garbage that deserves a punishment for it. I don't care that he that he by no. Myers Leonard said an anti spewed spewed an anti-Semitic slur on a Twitch live stream. You can't his behind. We haven't seen him since. I understand journeyman NBA players, not the level of player that Kyrie Irving is. So in that aspect, as far as what team would would go through the headache and go through the sacrifices to put up with that is a totally separate thing. Kyrie Irving, when his head's on straight, can win a championship. Myers Leonard says some journeyman player just can't pick out of a lineup. I understand all that. But still, anti-Semitism and anti-Semitism uh, the same thing. Hate is hate. Wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter the level of player that you are, the, 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 your celebrity status. It doesn't matter. Wasting no time. Suspended him. We haven't seen him since. Why are we dragging our ass with Kyrie Irving? Why? Because he made a shot to win the NBA Finals for Cleveland? Because he can sell a couple of sneakers? For for uh, for Nike for what he's got a, he's got a more of a popular following than Myers Leonard does. He's played with LeBron, plays with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. Well, what's the reason, Adam? You're Jewish. Have the where's your spine? Show your balls and 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 handle your business. Why are we dragging our feet with this foolishness? He promoted something that offended a group of people, spreaded lies and misinformation that deserves a punishment. Holocaust didn't exist my ass. It's documented evidence. You moron. The damn thing did exist. Did happen. What, what, what? Planet of delusional bullshit are you living on? And Adam Silver from Sarver with, 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 with the racist and the misogynistic culture within the Phoenix Suns organization, he dragged his feet, he dragged his ass with that back in the summertime, giving him some weak-ass fine. Now he's dragging his feet and showing his ass with this Kyrie Irving thing a few months later. And Adam Silver wants 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 the country wants the world to believe that the NBA is all, is an all inclusive, equality, fairness, justice for all type of league, socially aware, socially aware, socially conscious, all equal 
you know, they, they loved and they puffed their chests out and they wear that like it's a badge of honor that we're the NBA with this with this inclusive equal culture and Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, you're not. They wear like it's a badge of honor. Badge of honor. And rightfully so. All for equality and anti-racism, black lives do matter, I get that. But you can't sit up here and, and, and get on your soapbox and preach and preach to the rest of the world and, 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 and practice that, yet you're doing something totally different. You can't practice and preach and say and do one thing, and then behind closed doors you turn your back and you're doing the exact opposite. That is by definition of what they call a hypocrite. Saying one thing and doing the other. Doing the exact opposite than what you're saying, what you're preaching, and what you're acting out to, to the public eye, to, with your public persona. That's being a hypocrite and that's being a fraud. Okay? What does he expect to get the Nobel Peace Prize for throwing out Donald Sterling? I was down there 10 years ago. Dragged his feet with sorrow back in, back in the summertime, which we screamed about. And now this. I don't care that he's Kyrie Irving. I don't care that he's ex-teammates with LeBron. I don't care about the fact that he plays with Kyrie Irving. I don't care about the fact that he plays with Brooklyn Nets, that he sells sneakers, that he's popular, that he's a polarizing player. I don't give a damn. Why did you leave the Brooklyn Nets to do your work? He shouldn't be suspended by the Brooklyn Nets. He should His ass should have been sat down and suspended by the league that which employs him. The Brooklyn Nets employ, but the Brooklyn Nets operate under the NBA umbrella. Why did he leave the Brooklyn Nets to basically see if Silver's going to do anything? Okay, Silver not going to do anything. Okay, well I'll fill up. I'll I'll uh, collapse under under peer pressure, under public pressure, and I'll do the work that you are supposed to do. You're the league office. You're the commissioner. Get off your ass and do something about it. And instead, he was mum, sat on his hands, put together a weak statement. I talked to him, all this other foolishness. And the Suns, the Suns, the Nets, did ended up doing his work. And you're Adam Silver, a league that 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 prides itself. On equality and being anti-hate and anti-bigotry and anti-discrimination. Pride yourself on it. And then you sit up here and you drag your feet with Kyrie Irving. When you got a heavily Jewish population. Heavily, you know, you got, a, you got a lot of Jewish fans. You got a, a lot of Jewish owners. Commissioners in the, in the, in the, in the league's. History have been Jewish, including you, Adam. And it's like, oh well, it is what it is. Completely, completely unacceptable. Silver and the NBA should be absolutely ashamed. And then, and then they want your money, they want your support, and then you and then they expect you to be arm arm and hand in hand. Rightfully so, I might add. One is Black Lives Matter, and when it comes to matters of hate against black people, yet you won't carry out the same message with this anti-Semitism stuff. You can't pick and choose equality. 
You can't. It's a one-way street. All for one, one for all. Everybody or nobody at all. And you cannot sit up and pick and choose and then expect people to be in lockstep and agreement with you when you clearly weren't for them when it came to their time where they needed support from everybody else. And then the thing that also really bothers me is that Kyrie Irving will post this. He'll be defiant about it, get into pissing matches with the media about it, avoid apology, and go through all the machinations with this foolishness. Yet he'll wake up one morning and he'll look and he'll scratch his head and he'll wonder why the Laura Ingrams of the world and, and, and the Laura Ingrams of the world, the Sean Hattie's and Tucker Carlson's want basketball players to essentially shut up and dribble, shut up and throw a baseball, shut up and play football, catch throw football, don't protest their national anthem, don't raise awareness about social justice issues, don't don't be, be, be an activist, don't get involved in politics, just put your head down and do your job on the athletic field or, or on the basketball court. They wonder why. They wonder why those racist, small-minded human beings, why they say that and why they, and why they feel that and why they want no athlete to cross that line into the activism realm. Because the Kyrie Irvings of the world do crap like this and they expect to be taken seriously. He does crap like this and then the NBA sits on their hands and does nothing about it. And expect to be taken seriously when it, when, you know, when you plaster, when they have Black Lives Matter on the court in a bubble and they allow the players to put the, uh, to have the social uh, justice messages on the back of the jerseys. They want to be taken seriously and want, and want the, and want the backup and the support from everybody across the country, yet they're, yet they're practicing hypocrisy. They don't. They want the Laura Ingrams and 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 the and the people that think like them to look at them as human beings and then for them to take them seriously as activists and contributing members to society off the off the outside of the arena outside of the stadium. Yet the Kyrians of the world produce crap like this and expect to be taken seriously. And they give the and they give the ones they give the athletes that are really about promoting and creating change within this country. They give them a bad name and they give them a bad reputation because then the small-minded individual says, well, why do I care what they think? You, Kyrie Irving, you know, put out some anti-Semitic horse garbage denying the Holocaust, putting out some film that said that the Holocaust didn't exist and nobody, and nobody was outraged about it. Yeah, they got to take them seriously when they pounded, when they pounded the drum about, about, uh, about systematic racism. Which they should, but you got to be consistent. And there's no consistency. Adam Silver, Jewish man himself, sits on his hands with Kyrie Irving and puts out some weak statements and we'll talk to him. And they want to be, and they want to be taken seriously by by the masses. You can't be taken seriously. You can't be a hypocrite and expect to be taken seriously. I the, the two just do not add up. They do not add up. Shame on Adam Silver. Shame on the NBA. Shame on Kyrie Irving. 
Shame on the Brooklyn Nets. Shame on Kevin Durant for being quiet for days. Silence is complicit. Being quiet for days. Not calling out Kyrie Irving on his bull jive or really any other NBA current NBA player for that matter and sitting on their hands. Had to leave the Reggie Millers, the Shaqs, the Charles Barkleys of the world to call out the other to call out the current NBA players' brethren to say something. Sat on their hands and said nothing. Said nothing, did nothing. Why? Because they're afraid to call out their fellow NBA player? Weak, guys. It's weak. If you're really about equality and promoting change, you don't your science is, is complicit and you don't co-sign on Irving's nonsense. And if you face backlash from the morons on social media, so the hell be it. And again, they all wake up and they wonder why and they scratch their head and they can't wrap their mind around and they get upset. And again, rightfully so, I understand where they're coming from, but they get upset and they catch an attitude, again, rightfully so, and I would agree with their thinking in that when... They turn when they hear on social media or somebody tells them, well, such and such a Fox News or some conservative talk radio show or somebody on television tells them to just shut up, stay out of politics, leave politics, leave social issues out of sports and just play like like they're robots and they don't have lives and don't have family and and they don't and they and they don't operate their day to day lives outside of the arena in which they in which employs them, which is sports. They wonder why. They wonder why. Not saying that is right, but you got to be able to connect the dots on stuff like this. Such a shame. Really is. A lot to get off my chest. An hour worth of talking straight. Good Lord. We will turn our attention to week nine of the National Football League. This is the Amatelica TIS podcast. Welcome back. To the um, until I can tell you is podcast. Switch gears now to the NFL uh, in Week Nine uh, preview. We'll get to the uh, the uh, Eagles and Texas game a little bit later on. Don't forget the Week Nine uh, picks against the spread as, as it's all NFL uh, here from here on out. Uh, just the, the game number one, which is who in the world would have thought that the Chargers and the Falcons was a big time. Uh, it was a big-time game to pay attention to week nine of the NFL season this year. Chargers coming off a of bye week before last. Uh, got and got uh, put in their place by the Seattle Seahawks in week seven at home. They're four and three uh, on. They're four and three on the season. Uh, so they currently hold the seventh seed 
in the a- in the AFC playoff picture. If you care about that, as of this moment in time, right now, as we approach the season's halfway point, taking on the four and four Atlanta Falcons, who won in overtime, a crazy game, like we uh, as we discussed earlier this week, uh, between them and the Carolina Panthers in overtime, hung way cool with a game winning uh, with a game winning field goal with about two minutes left in in over in the overtime period. Falcons who are three and one at home. They're only they have they've won three straight home games since their week one uh, defeat against the Saints. They've won three straight uh, home games in a row. Three and one record at Mercedes Benz Stadium as they try to uh, build upon their first place lead. Uh, as they try to build upon their first place lead uh, with the uh, three and five. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers chasing them in their matchup against the uh, their matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. We'll get to a little bit later on in the program. But they're trying to build upon their first place lead, the NFC South, four and four record. Uh, they have uh, they're coming into this game. By the way, AJ Terrell, uh, Elijah Wilkinson are both out with uh, are both out. Eric Harris, their safety is questionable. DeAndre Carter questionable for the Chargers. Hopkins, Mike Williams, uh, Chris Rumpf, are, and uh, G- Jerry Tillery on the injury report are out. Uh, like I said, DeAndre Carter uh, is questionable. The fe- the Chargers uh, the Chargers got to uh, win this game. The Chargers got to the Chargers got to win. Got to they. This is more of a must win game for the uh, for the Chargers than it is for the uh, for the Falcons. Large part because with the Chargers, there's with this with this competitive AFC with Cincinnati with breathing down their throat at four and four with the uh, with the with uh, with Kansas City now the divisions lost with Kansas City but but you also got a fact that you know Cincinnati and Cincinnati in the north uh the the uh, uh and then of course in the AFC East with but with Buffalo who's going to win the division but with the uh but with the Dolphins and the and the and the Jets in the a, you know the wild card teams in the AFC in the AFC in the AFC East division in the AFC East right now, Dolphins and the Jets in the East, Bengals in the uh, Bengals in the North, uh, them going back and forth with the Ravens who have about a game and a half two game lead up on in the AFC North. There's little margin for error for the for the Los Angeles Chargers. These are games and you look at their schedule. These are games that the um, that the uh, that the Los Angeles Chargers have got to take care of and they got and they have to win. It's just no excuse. Uh, with with lost with San Diego with uh, Los Angeles, they've lost many of uh, bad games this season. They they couldn't take care of business against uh, couldn't take care of business last game against the, against the uh, against the Seahawks. They had the uh, New England they had the New England Patriots New England Patriots. They had the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. On the ropes in week two, they couldn't take care bit. They couldn't take care of business against them in week two. And you're the Chargers. Too much talent on this team. I understand Keenan Allen never plays. I understand Mike. I understand Mike Williams uh, is out. But there's just it's too much talent uh, up and down this roster 
uh, for this team to only be four and three. Ter they terrible lost thirty. I mean, lost thirty eight to ten to the Jaguars in week two. Lost game. They've lost games to the Jaguars. They lost games to the Seahawks. The Seahawks are good this year, but those are games. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season that the uh, Chargers would lose to the to the Seahawks and lose to the Jaguars at home, no less. I understand no home field advantage, but still, uh, you would have looked at me cross-eyed. And you look at their schedule, and their schedule these next two weeks after the Falcons game, they're, they are not gimme guarantee games. On the road next Sunday night against the 49ers, then they host Kansas City on, uh, no, on November 20th. Uh, the Charger game, which is not an e which is not an easy game. The Raiders, they got the Raiders. Then after that, no uh, December the fourth, and then they got the Dolphins, hard game, uh, December eleventh. The Titans, this team can't stop the run for it for for anything. They host the Titans on December eighteenth, uh, and then to close out the season, they got the Rams. And then the Broncos, and the Broncos may be at three and five. They may be uh, at that point in time uh, playing playing themselves into a playoff spot. You just never know. So they don't have a hard schedule, but they do not have. But the amount of slouch opponents that they have, the Colts is one. Uh, the Colts is one. The Raiders is is the second one. Even the even the Cardinals at three and five aren't exactly to be taken lightly. Uh, when you're the uh, Los Angeles Chargers and are blessed to be four and three, blessed when you really, in all objectivity, should be, you know, to the likes of five and five and two, six and one. Uh, so you cannot afford to throw away these games. You cannot afford to throw away these games, especially these next two you have, where you got the 49ers and you got the Kansas City Chiefs. Two games that, if you ask me right now, I do not expect the Los Angeles Chargers to be competitive in, let alone. Uh, when let let alone win the next two games, uh, but they got to be able to stop the run against Atlanta against the Atlanta Falcons offense. Atlanta Falcons offense has been able to run the ball uh, very very well uh, the last the last game or so. They're a very good run rushing offensive team. The uh, Chargers ranked one of the worst teams in the league as far as stopping the run is concerned. Chargers can't stop the run. It's going to be a long day for them. It's going to be the Falcons running the football left and right, keeping uh, Justin Herbert on the sidelines, and and being and being able with their defense to take advantage of a couple of mistakes, and I'll be their uh, formula to win the game. Uh, the Chargers also got to be able to take care of the football. They turned over the football ad infinitum in their last game in Week Seven at home against Seattle. Turnovers left and right. Herbert fumbles, fumbles on fumbles on special teams. Just very, very, very sloppy with the football two weeks ago. This is an you know the Falcons opportunistic football team. Got to be able to take care of football going going up against them. Falcons force turnovers. Get after uh, ju get after Justin Herbert. And uh, and control and control the clock and be and be able to run the football on this piss poor uh, rushing defense, which looks like it. Not much has changed between last year, and this year. They went out there and they spent a fortune uh, to try to uh, improve their defense uh, in the off season. Understand, J.C. Jackson is out. But still, J.C. Jackson's a corner does not excuse the fact that their rushing defense is one of the worst rushing defenses in the National Football League. That's game number one. Game number two, and it's not really as much as an intriguing game, but it is because both of the teams are above 500, and it is a divisional uh, matchup. 
between the uh, between the Bills and the uh, between the Bills and the uh, New York Jets. The Jets, as we discussed uh, back on Tuesday, uh, just a pathetic uh, performance against the Jets. Zach Wilson turned over the football left and right all over the place. Uh, just was just careless and sloppy with the football. Throwing Franklin Myers is uh, stupid. Uh, not stupid because of the rule per se, although you can argue whether or not the rule, but just stupid as far as just lack of in lack of discipline and in game awareness by him with the rough in the passer penalty, which took a touchdown off the board, in which the Patriots would have been down seventeen to three heading into the half instead of being down at the half only by four ten six. Ended up uh, the drive stayed alive for New England. They were able to kick a field goal. Uh, so the Jets got to play smart football. In order to beat the Buffalo Bills, you cannot, under any circumstances, beat yourselves and shoot yourselves in the foot. That's taking care of the football for you, Zach Wilson. That's uh, not always you know, being so quick to scramble out of the pocket and drop back 25 yards. Stay still. Let the play develop. If the play's not there, throw it away. Don't get careless with the football and run around in circles in the backfield. If the play's not there, tuck it and run forward. Don't continue to drop back and drop back and drop back and try to run away from the defense. You run, you, you run away from them by stepping up and, run, and running and make sure you get positive yardage, not running around in circles to your left to the right or just dropping back in the backfield 15, 20 yards and, fling, and saying, ah, oh, screw it, and flinging the ball downfield. To you know, to uh, to Devin McCourty that's parked underneath the football for a perfect example, like we saw on Sunday. So you, you Zach Wilson, you take care of the football. You don't get so trigger happy to try to break the pocket or try to make something happen and play hero ball. Play within your means. Stay in the pocket. Maybe let the play develop for a little bit, and then make your decision based on what's on what's open and available uh, downfield. Zach Wilson, take care of the football. Limit the stupid penalties. Because when you give this Buffalo Bills team an inch, they take a mile. And I expect Von Miller to absolutely tee off on the Jets, on the uh, on the Jets uh, offensive line. I expect Von Miller to have a big time afternoon and a big time performance, uh, a big time performance coming up for them on Sunday. And I also anticipate now Sauce Garner is a hell of a corner, without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, without question. He is your leader in the clubhouse for defensive rookie of the year this year. Do I anticipate? And Buffalo hasn't. And Buffalo, the only road loss that they've had was at Miami, uh, back in uh, was in Miami in late September. So they've been a very good road football team. Uh, they've been a very good road football team since. Granted, they haven't had to play a road game. Uh, not I shouldn't say that. They've only played one road game. They've only played two road games in the last month. On the road against Baltimore, they won 23-20. On the road against Kansas City, they won 24-20. But uh, Buffalo, you give them an inch, they take a mile, Jack. And going back to my point with Sauce Gardner, it's hell of a corner. This Jets secondary has been one of their main primary reasons why they are 5-3 and three this season. Uh, but, having said all, but having said all that, Josh Allen... He'll he'll find a way to make plays. Well, Josh Allen throw for four hundred yards and four and four or five touchdown passes, and the Bills put up forty, put up you know thirty five to forty points. Absolutely not. This Jets team has improved. The secondary is too good, and like I said, Gardner leading the clubhouse defensive rookie of the year. 
But while I expect Allen and the Bills to put together a couple of impressive drives and find a way to put together and find a way to score 21 to, you know, 27 points, absolutely. Team's too talented. Team's too good. So I don't expect an, an absolute offensive avalanche, but I expect a, a decent performance from the Buffalo Bills office. Not great, not terrible, average for Bills standards. You know, score about 24 to 27 points. Not not go crazy. Allen throw for like, you know, two from like anywhere from like 265 to 295, two touchdowns, maybe run for one. And, uh, and but Buffalo take care of business up at a MetLife Stadium against the Jets on Sunday. No Corey Davis for the Jets. He's out. James Robinson's questionable. Just got to be able to run the football on Buffalo now. The, the uh, Green Bay Packers were able to run the football tremendously well for a change against them last Sunday night. Jets got to control the clock, set the tempo of this game early, keep Josh Allen and, 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 and that Bills offense on the sidelines for as long as they possibly can. Run the football. That's what the Jets do best. And now leave it up to Zach Wilson uh, to play hero ball. Uh, Milano and Spencer Brown are both questionable as of this moment in time right now. We'll see if they are good to go come Sunday afternoon. Game number three, the Vikings and the Commanders. The Vikings going up against a tough Commanders team. The a Commanders team that to the, to the uh, hero-ness or to the heroics, I should say, of, uh, of Terry McLaurin, who's one of the most underrated wide receivers in the National Football League, and, uh, t- and Taylor Heineke, Heineke, excuse me, who has that Tim Tebow, who has that Tim Tebow, uh, has, he has that Tim Tebow, Nick Foles-esque uh, clutchness, intangible in him. You know, and he, he isn't exactly, he isn't exactly, you know, uh, he isn't exactly, you know, he, he's not that elite level of court. He's not that elite level of quarterback, of course, to the likes of Allen, Burrow, Mahomes. But he has that intangible in him that when you give him an opportunity to to bring you back from bring you back from the from the pits of defeat, he, more times than not, he's going to turn into. Joe Montana in the fourth quarter and have you tying games and have you winning games that you have no business winning games that you don't win with all due respect that cart with Carson Wentz at quarterback. So Heineke just has that, that I hate to, uh, to uh, rehash and recycle that meme, but he has that dog in him. For whatever the reason, he just has that, 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 that intangible Nick Foles, Tim Tebow esque dog in him. Where you where you got to put the stake through him in order to finish him in order for in order to keep him from stealing football games in the final closing minutes and closing seconds of regulation. And this team plays better when he's behind center. This team is more inspired. They play. They they go out and they make that extra effort to make that extra catch, and put their bodies and put their and dive head first for that first down. They just the the Washington Commanders football team. They play. They play better. They play better. A little bit more extra effort. A little bit extra panache. Extra pizzazz with how they play when Heineke is at quarterback compared to when Carson Wentz or 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 Alex Smith or anybody else is behind center. I don't know why. I, you can't. Exa- it's not something that you can pinpoint with a specific stat. It's just the way it is. 
you know, looking at it through the eye test when you watch him play on a week in week out basis. Terry McLaurin, very underrated, very underrated wide receiver uh, in the sport. They're they are not a they're not a fantastic football team, but they're but they're about a they're a, they're an they're an average running football. They're an average football team running the football. Uh, you they and they got injuries, of course, with Dotson, McKissick, Chase Young are out. Um, meanwhile, the Vikings, uh, they got Dalvin Thomason who's out. Uh, of course, with Irv Smith on injured reserve, there'll be the debut for T.J. Hawkinson as he will make his Vikings debut. Be interesting to see how well and how quick uh, Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings offensive uh, coaching staff will implement Hawkinson into their offensive game plan. Uh, will they, you know, pick and choose their spots, or will they make it a, or will they make it? Uh, 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 an, a point of emphasis to get him involved into the passing game uh, quick so he can get his sea legs underneath him and get him a part of that vaunted uh, uh, offensive attack with Justin Jefferson and the crew uh, and Dalvin Cook running football in the backfield of that, uh, of that, of that elite uh, Miami, Miami, that Minnesota Vikings uh, offense. So and the commanders are four and four, two and two at home, and uh, now the chances of them making the playoffs, and we'll see what and we'll look up here what the standings look like at this point in time. They play they play in a competitive they play they're four and four and in last place. I mean they 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 be sitting up in first place thereabouts if they played in the NFC South. They're four and four in last place. Remember all those years where we thought the NFC East was the worst division in football? Not anymore. All four teams are above 500. All four teams. Last place in four and four. Now they are now they got a better record in Green Bay at three and they got a better record in Green than Green Bay at three and five. And nobody in the NFC South is holding a wild card spot, and the 49ers are four and four. So you look at the way the conference shapes out right now. The Eagles currently hold the one seed, Vikings the two, Seahawks the three, Falcons the four, and and five, six, and seven uh, make up of Dallas, the Giants, and San Francisco. Washington's on the outside looking in. San Francisco's in at four and four. Washington is out at four and four. And if Washington wants to, you know, have all, it wants to be a part of the NFC East party where all four NFC East teams make the playoffs, they are going to need some help uh, from the, uh, they're going to need some help with the 49ers and their game coming up against, uh, and their game coming up against, or do they have a bye? I believe they have a bye, right? Yes, they do have a bye. So they have an opportunity to possibly leapfrog uh, San Francisco, who currently hold the seventh seed in the NFC playoff picture. Uh, speaking of San Francisco, the team that they beat the living crap out of on Sunday, that is the LA Rams. They take on the Bucks down in Tampa on Sunday afternoon. This is a game, you know, this is a game that we were, you know, the big bad uh Champions, the last two Super Bowl champions from last two seasons, 2020 and 2021, rematch of that classic playoff game back in January 
the chance the defending Super Bowl champion uh, Rams going up going in, into Tampa to take on a team you know the Bucks have had trouble beating the Rams over the last few seasons of course lost to them the lost to them at home on Monday night lost to them in the playoff game lost to them uh, in Southern California over the last couple of seasons the Rams have had the Bucks number. Uh, have had the Bucks number over the last two seasons, and I expect the same thing to apply on Sunday. Uh, you go ahead and you look, you know, there as if the Bucks can afford any more injuries, can afford any more negative energy. They're only one in three at home this season. Hard to believe, only one in three at home this year. Three and five, no Shaq Barrett, Antoine Winfield, and Luke Ganadiki. Their guard and Winfield, of course, the safety of part of their secondary are both out. Sean Murphy, Bunting, Akeem Hicks, Carlton Davis, all three of those guys are questionable. So the Bucks heading into this game with uh, many of injury problems. Van Jefferson's questionable for the Rams. Brian Allen, their center, questionable. And Jake Hummel, their linebacker, is out. So the Rams, who didn't add anybody to the trade deadline, couldn't. You know they uh, not you know they made plenty of offers for CMC for uh, the Panthers did not budge, so this is a the the Buccaneers you go off the injury report they're missing a lot more and, and um, a lot more uh, um, crucial guys on the injury report than it is with the Rams. The Rams also, you think that they that eventually they're going to find their identity and realize that it's not going to be the same formula of offense, of beating up on opposing defenses like they did last year. Cooper Cup is still there, which is the most, uh, Cooper Cup's the most important thing, uh, uh, is the most important uh, key with this football team. And as long as he's there, you would figure, especially the way that this Buccaneers defense has fallen off this year, you would figure he would be the X factor. I believe that he that he very much is. I believe in my heart of hearts that he will be the primary. And I said it on the on the little Wednesday night tailgate show that I do on uh on a Wednesday nights with Michael Ruick and Sergeant Drill Z. I I told them on their program that this will basically be the carbon copy of the playoff game. It'll be the Cooper Cup show minus the Cam Akers fumbles because I because he at large because he barely sees the field and barely sees any action. For nine or excuse me, the Rams were not able to find a trade partner for him uh, on a Tuesday's deadline. But it'll be the carbon copy of playoff game minus the Cam Akers fumbles and minus the Buccaneer comeback. I think this game, you know, the Buccaneer, the Rams could win this game in an absolute snooze fest. Won't be, you know, it won't be a wow, look at this dynamic fireworks show of a performance. It'll just be one of those domination games where if you're a Rams fan, you'll feel very good about yourself being 4-4 four four, uh, coming off the coming off of... Uh, or not, you had your bye week already. I apologize, but four and four coming off of the 49er loss, and uh, and and trying to uh, catch up with the uh, Seahawks and the 49ers who are ahead of you right now in the chase and the quest for the NFC West a division title in the NFC wildcard playoff push as we approach the halfway point of the season. But I the Bucks are a mess. So issues with the secondary. Injury report, Shaq Barrett's out for the season with a torn Achilles. Offense has just been anemic. 
and has not been able to click on the, and be on the same page all season long. They can't run the football worth a damn with Lenny Fournette. Uh, pass rush has been a major problem for the uh, for the uh, for the Bucks offensive line at times uh, throughout the season. The Bucks are just on are are spiraling out of control. I've heard the argument and the and the point made this week. Now that the divorce is out of Brady's hair, he can for, he can totally lock in and focus himself on playing football. I'm not too quite sure about that, just because the distraction of going through the legal proceedings with the divorce is out of Brady's hair doesn't mean that 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 the trauma and the and and just the 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 uh, and and the physical and mental stress of going through it does it doesn't mean that that's totally wiped away clean just because the divorce is finalized on top of the fact that the bucks got many issues on a defensive offensive offensive side of the ball they're not buttoned up not disciplined can't run the football injuries left and right I think it could be a long day for the Bucks down in uh, Tampa for them on Sunday. I expect the Rams to improve to 4-4. Four and four. As far as the Chiefs and the Titans game is concerned, on uh, Sunday Night Football, they have Malik Willis uh, starting behind center for, uh, for the Tennessee Titans. No Ryan Tannehill, who's out due to injury. They ran Derrick Henry crazy uh, against... They ran Derrick Henry crazy last week against the Houston Texans. Be hard uh, pressed for them to have that to use that same formula to keep Patrick Mahomes off the football field when their defense is going to go up and down the field. One would expect and score nothing but touchdowns. That formula of just running the football down the opposing defense's throw only works if the opposing offense is is unable to muster up any sort of points and able to generate any offense. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs offense traded for Kadarius Tony during the week. I think this Kansas City Chiefs offense will be able to will be able to uh, to to uh, score and generate some points. Struggled a little bit. Uh, they struggled a little bit. Their last game, uh, they had, coming off of a bye week uh, last week, sitting at five and two. They're two and one at home this season. Uh, they were they scored forty four points against the San Francisco 49ers defense uh, back on the twenty third of October. Uh, last home uh, performance, they were they were very a- they were a- they were average below average by Kansas City Chiefs standards against the uh, against the Bills on uh, October sixteenth. I expect Kansas City to be able to not set the world on fire, but put together and assemble a very uh, a very encouraging you know twenty seven to you know. 24 to 27 point performance score three touchdowns move the ball well uh run the football you know to a certain to a certain extent where they're able to get positive yards with with ceh out of the backfield uh not try to do too much uh trying to go for the deep play all the time pick and choose your spots dink and dunk you see that they that they've totally incorporated and they've rejuvenated the career of Juju Smith-Schuster over the last few games. Uh, and MVS has also been a contributing factor in their wide receiver room as well. I expect Kansas City to put up a, you know, one of those 24 to 13, 24 to 14, 27, uh, 10 type performances coming up on Sunday night. Be hard-pressed to expect Derrick Henry to run uh, he and the Titans' way to a victory. I understand the Titans have had success over the Chiefs the last few years with the 2019 AFC Championship game notwithstanding. But, you know, I we'll see. Should be an interesting game.
We'll see. I expect Chris Jones in that uh, defense in that uh, in that defensive front for for the Chiefs to uh, get after uh, Malik Willis and take advantage and have their way with the uh, Titans offensive line. Should be an interesting matchup coming up on Sunday Night Football. We take a break. We will recap the Thursday night game between the Texans and the Eagles, and of course the Week Nine picks against the spread to close out the show. This is the Amatelica TIS podcast. Telecatelia's podcast with your host Jai Shields. Before we get to the week nine picks against the spread and get on up out of here, um, we there was a Thursday night football game that I will spend a couple of minutes on. The Eagles' first time in franchise history proved to eight and zero to begin the season with a twenty nine seventeen victory over the Houston Texans on Thursday night in the Houston versus Philly double dip. Crossover with Thursday night football and game number five of the World Series happening on the same night. Um, the Eagles four and zero away from uh, Lincoln Financial took care of business. Um, a couple of thoughts on the game. Um, I thought the Eagles Eagles are not going to go seventeen and zero. Uh, and their performance, especially to begin the game on Thursday night, proved that. This is not a team that's going to go 17 and also if you're an Eagles fan, you might as well get it through your head that this team's going to lose a game sooner rather than later, uh, whether it be against Washington on uh, whether it's going, whether it be against Washington on uh, November 14th or or against the Colts the day the the week after that or Sunday night against Green Bay. This team is this team is going to now. Granted, every single game's on their schedule is going to be winnable. But one between the Monday night game against Washington on November 14th and the last game of the regular season on January 8th against the Giants. In between then in between then and now, the second Sunday of the new year, they're they're gonna be due to lose a game. Because granted, they have granted on paper, you say really, Jai, they played a they're a better team than the Giants. They got the Bears. Better team than they beat the Cowboys already with Cooper Rush. You know, they, they the Saints, they, the Packers can't score. The Colts with Sam Ellinger, Washington, Tennessee with with Malik Willis, maybe Ryan Tannehill if he's back. Really, you only lose game. You watch the first half of that game on Thursday night. This is not a team that I that I would bet the ranch on. To finish the season seventeen and zero, one they one they might not need one they might lose a game for you know for starting a bunch of backups and the week eighteen game may not mean anything uh, against uh, against the um, against the Giants. Uh, it may not mean anything because they may have the number one seed in the division long before locked up at that point. But they're not going to go seventeen and zero. 
not I didn't say not going to win the Super Bowl. I didn't say not going to go to Super Bowl. They're not going to finish the regular season undefeated because I was not impressed by how they came out the gate on Thursday night. They came out slow. They came out lethargic, sleepwalking, just playing uninspired football. And then you know they decided to you know and they eventually and they and they toyed with the with the Texans a little bit. They toyed with them. They toyed with them. They played with them. They they kept them in the game. When there was many opportunities where they needed to put their, they needed to put, they needed to go for the juggler and put their fist on and put their fist on their face and finish them off. And they fooled around with the game. They kept them in the game. Hertz got sacked four times, fumbling the football a few times left and right. And they allowed uh, Pierce on 27 carries to run for 139 yards on a night. Rush run defense was not good whatsoever. Too much separation uh, and for my liking to Eagle standards, what they've been able to develop, what they've been able to produce this season. Too many uh, moments where Davis Mills were to complete wide open throws. Uh, wide open throats to the uh to Brent to uh to the Houston Texans re- receivers OJ Howard Moore Dorsett, so uh, so a very underwhelming performance for their defense. Granted, again they two they got they sacked Davis Mill Mills three times. Uh, and they uh, and they forced him to throw two interceptions, and you knew the first interception. You thought, okay, this is where the Eagles wake up and where they begin to storm ahead. And it wasn't until about the second interception, and the Eagles were able to uh, score to put the to uh, take a uh, twenty-seven to seventeen lead. Where you figured, okay, after ten plays, seventy-five yard drive, okay, the Eagles going to pull away. Eagles going to win this game. They're going to be eight and zero after fooling around with the game for about a half and in in about in about a quarter or so. So they did not come out the gate and 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 showcase that level of domination that you're an inferior football team football team compared to us. We're better than you, and we're going to go out there and kick your ass and prove it and take you all out of the game before halftime, like they were able to do against Pittsburgh. You can make the argument road team on the short week. They do have that disadvantage, so you could. You, so it's it's a fair argument to be made, but still, when when you go up against a Houston Texans team that stinks, that's winless at home this season, that had no home fit advantage whatsoever. They were all either at at home at their local bar or at Minute Maid Park watching uh, watching Game Five on Thursday night. You they had nobody, no Houston Texans fans were in the stands. You you got to be able to put together a better overall performance than what I saw on Thursday night, and I was not impressed. Sleepwalk through the game, and then the high end talent and and the and the and the talent differential between the Eagles and the Texans ended up showing itself, and you give you and you got yourself a twenty nine to seventeen uh, dominant, but not. Holy crap! This was an absolute beatdown of a win, like they had against Pittsburgh about five days prior last Sunday afternoon. Um, but eight and zero for the first time in franchise history for Philadelphia. They uh, have a they have themselves a little bit of a uh, have themselves a mini buy. Their next game isn't until uh, their next game isn't until. Uh, next Monday night, not the Monday night of, of this upcoming week, but the Monday after on November 14th at home against Washington. So they get the advantage. Uh, they get the advantage that Washington had a few weeks back. Like, uh, like, um, uh, 
like and like the Ravens have this week with the with the Monday night game after the Thursday night game, which works as a mini buy to their advantage. Home game, ten and a half point favorites. We'll see how they match up against Washington next Monday night. But you know they're not going seventeen and zero, folks. They, they 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 fool around a little bit too. And one just this game, it was the back end of the game week one against the Eagles. Too many games where the Giants go up against inferior competition. And they should blow them out by, you know, 30 points, and they only win by 17. You know, they fooled around with Detroit in week one. They fooled around with Jacksonville uh, in week four. They, they, many of opportunities where they could have put the Arizona Cardinals to bed, and they were fortunate that, uh, that, that they, that the Cardinals missed the field goal when they barely beat them 20 to 17 on October the 9th. Too many times the Eagles fool around. They, they were with they were they were with the Cowboys were within a field goal against the, uh, when they played them on October sixteenth. The week after that, Eagles have played around with fire one too many times throughout this regular season. And one of these days, it's going to come back to bite them in the ass. And they're going to lose a game because of it. That was a game that I understand. Short week on the road, but that was a game for you, the Eagles. You got to grind your opponent to that level. You you got you got to. They you, against the, against the one way Houston Texans team, you just got to beat the piss out of them right from the open. Just because just because you're just a better football team than they are. I'm I'm sorry. It's a, when you're when you're the better football team to to that exponential of a level, you just got to just kick ass and take names right from right from the opening get go. It's just it's just no excuse. I'm sorry. It's just, so they got they were fortunate, but you wonder. Uh, but you you, you got to be able to keep your eyes on a prize and not sleepwalk. And I and the thing that gets the Eagles in trouble and what will cost them their first loss of the season is them sleepwalking and fooling around with these games. To, they've had two less. Uh, they've had two, for. They need to, the way that they've been performing this year. It's got to be like the Steeler game each and every single week against inferior competition against the Detroit's the Cardinals of the world. Uh, against the Houston Texans, Pittsburgh, they got to put together games like we saw on Sunday. Too many games they've put together on Thursday night where they kind of bull jive, they fool around for about a quarter, a half, you know, one half and halfway through the third quarter, and then all of a sudden they flip the switch, and then it's kick ass take names mode, and they able to and they're able to put away teams and walk away with the victory. But I do not think in my heart of hearts that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to walk away uh, with this with this regular season undefeated. I understand they can because they have an easy schedule, but somebody's going to pick them off, whether it be the Giants, Washington in Week 10. Somebody's going to get them. Somebody. It's just a matter of who. That's your uh, Thursday night game recap. As for Week 9 the National Football League, it's about that time. National Football League Week 9 in the league where they play. For pay. Game number one on the schedule. The Los Angeles Chargers, three-point favorites, taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Chargers coming off of their bye week, week before they lost in embarrassing fashion to the Seattle Seahawks. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Falcons won last week in overtime over the Carolina Panthers. 
to take the temporary lead of first place in the NFC South and to improve the 4 and 4 500 on the season. Give me the Los Angeles Chargers to win this football game by the final score of 24 to 21. We will move things along with the Buffalo Bills, who are 13 point favorites, coming off of their Sunday night football victory over the Green Bay Packers last week, taking on the New York Jets, who lost in typical Jet fashion to the New England Patriots, giving Bill Belichick his uh, victory to put him over George Hallis, number two all time winningest head coach in the history of the National Football League. Give me the Buffalo Bills to win this game by the final score of 27 2. 10. We move things along with the Miami Dolphins, who are five point favorites, taking on the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears uh, lost last week at, on the road at the hands of the uh, Dallas Cowboys by 20 points. Meanwhile, the Miami Dolphins took care of business last week in an absolute sh uh, scoring, sh an absolute shootout on the road against the Detroit Lions uh, last week. They hit the road for another AFC, excuse me, NFC North opponent to take on the Chicago Bears. Give me this Miami Dolphins to win this game by the final score of 35-17. Next game on the docket is the Minnesota Vikings, who are three-and-a-half-point three favorites, taking on the Washington Commanders. The Commanders' last-second victory over the Indianapolis Colts last week thanks to the heroic uh, play of Taylor Heineke and Terry McCorn as they take on the Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Vikings who had gotten T.J. Hawkinson earlier this week. They took care of business against the Arizona Cardinals uh, last time out at home. Three-and-a-half-point favorites, the Kirk Cousins Bowl, if you will. Give me the Minnesota Vikings to win this game by the final score of 28 221. The Green Bay Packers are three and a half point favorites taking on the Detroit Lions. The Lions, of course, aforementioned loss to the uh, Miami Dolphins last week. Meanwhile, the Green Bay Packers, three and a half point favorites, aforementioned, like I said, why I said for the second time in five seconds, I have no idea. They lost last Sunday night up at Orchard Park uh, against the Buffalo Bills as they tried to snap this losing streak they've been on. What 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 better way to snap it than against the uh, punching bag of the NFC North and the Detroit Lions? Give me the Green Bay Packers to find a way to put together some offense against this god-awful uh, Detroit Lions defense, winning this game by a final score of 28-10. Next game on the docket, the Indianapolis Colts coming off of their aforementioned heartbreaking last-second loss to the Washington Commanders last week. They hit the road to take on Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, who are five-and-a-half-point favorites coming off of their week number eight victory against the New York Jets on the road. They return home, home last time out. Uh, they lost an embarrassing fashion to the Chicago Bears a couple of Monday nights ago. As the uh, Patriots try to uh, get back on the ship at Gillette Stadium, try to put together two wins in a row. Meanwhile, the Colts trying to get off the schneid themselves with Sam Ellinger behind center for the second straight week. Give me the New England Patriots to take care of business and win this game by the final score of 27 2 3.
Carolina Panthers head to Cincinnati to take on my Cincinnati Bengals who embarrassed themselves in front of America on Monday night earlier this week and their loss to the Cleveland Browns only three within the division 4-4 four four overall this season. Carolina Panthers coming off of their heartbreaking overtime loss to the Atlanta Falcons thanks to the idiocy of, the, of DJ Moore and the incompetence of Eddie Pinheiro. Carolina Panthers get themselves back on track and win this game by the final score of 27-2-21. We move things along with the Vegas Raiders who are one and a half point favorites taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars lost in London last week to Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos as they return back to the States to take on the Ra a Vegas Raiders team that is spiraling to uh, nowhere but elimination in last place in the AFC West. Got shut out last week by the New Orleans Saints. They fly, uh, they fly south. They fly, to, they fly to the southeast to take on the Jaguars. Give it the Jaguars to get off the snide. They've been struggling as of late to take care of business and to beat the Vegas Raiders by the final score of 28-24. The Seattle Seahawks go on the road to take on the, the Arizona Cardinals, who are two-point favorites coming off of their loss last week to the Minnesota Vikings. Meanwhile, the Seattle Seahawks, who are just on a mission to prove everybody and their mother wrong. They still haven't wrote back Mr. Geno Smith. A sensational season they've had. Took care of business against the Red Hot Giants at home last week. Uh, and I expect the Seattle Seahawks to continue their winning ways and to improve on the season before their road game against the Buccaneers in Munich, Germany the following Sunday. Give me the Seattle Seahawks to take care of business and to win this game by the final score of 27-17. Seattle trying to win the season series against the Arizona Cardinals. Took care of business against the Cardinals in a defensive shootout back in October. Cardinals are two-point favorites. The Rams are three-point underdogs taking on Tampa Bay Buccaneers who lost well over a week ago on Thursday night at the hands of Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens. Meanwhile, the Raiders licking their wounds after having after getting embarrassed once again by the hands of Christian McCaffrey in his San Francisco 49ers debut. Give me the Rams to get back on track with a 28-17 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tennessee Titans are 12 and a half point underdogs with Malik Willis behind center. No Ryan Tannehill. Give me the Tennessee Titans to lose this game at the hands of Kansas City Chiefs coming off of their bye. Last time out, took care of business, scored 40, uh, scored 44 points up against that vaunted San Francisco 49er defense. Getting the Kansas City Chiefs to make it two in a row to win this game by the final score of 35 214. And finally, the Monday night game, the Baltimore Ravens three-point favorites taking on the New Orleans Saints. Saints shut out the uh, Vegas Raiders. Last week, they play host to the Baltimore Ravens coming off of their Thursday night victory in Tampa against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to win this game in convincing fashion by the final score of 28 Two, ten, and those are your week nine picks against the spread. 
Apologies for no show on Friday. Hectic day for yours truly. Factoring in uh, factoring in school, which I already knew about, but busy day with job interviews. Uh, not to mention helping my father around the house. They got this friend, them and my parents directing some Friendsgiving uh, event that they're having two weeks before Thanksgiving. Don't ask, but for coming up on Thursday and uh, had to bring down the Christmas decorations. Yes, my parent, yes, uh, my, I am that house. Unfortunately, not not by my decision. I don't pay the bills and run things around here. I basically, when it comes to stuff like Christmas decorations, I'm doing what I'm told. Thus, very time-consuming having to bring down the Christmas decorations yesterday. Not to mention, it took me for hour, it took me an hour and a half, damn near two hours, to get my COVID vaccination. Don't ask. It just the uh, Hectic day for you, surely, so no show for you on Friday, but I am here, a little throwback action for the early days of this podcast, uh, giving you an episode on a, a football Saturday uh, here this weekend. But I will be with you on Tuesday to recap and to uh, give whoever the World Series champion is, by the time we talk next week, it's flowers, put the baseball season to bed, turn our attention to the NFL full time. Hopefully it'll be the last of the Kyrie Irving drama with the Nets uh, and recap what's hoping to be some hell of a football games. Tennessee and Al- Tennessee and Georgia in the afternoon. George, excuse me, and then Alabama and LSU at night. A hell of a day for college football this week and the first Saturday of the month of November is come down the home stretch of the 2022 college football regular season. So apologies for no show on Friday. Hectic day in the Shields household. Hope you guys understand. Um, glad that you all decided to spend part of your Saturday uh, afternoon, if not late Saturday morning, for you, Mike and the OC out west with yours truly in the Amatella Catelias podcast. Covered a lot of bases as promised. And another episode of the Amatella Catelias podcast in the books. If you like what you heard, news to the program, please do not hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. I will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Be safe. Have one hell of a weekend. I will talk to you on Tuesday. Y'all stay safe. Be blessed, y'all. Take care. See you.